Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Unmasking COVID, a podcast that focuses on sharing personal stories over the course of this pandemic. This week, we have two university students joining us to talk about the shift to working from home and what their experience has been like so far. Welcome, Chelsea and Andrew. We're excited to have you on our podcast today. Would you like to quickly introduce yourselves? Um, hi, my name is Chelsea. I'm going into my third year of Metsai at Western. Yeah. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Andrew. I'm going into my second year of computer science and business double degree at the University of Waterloo. Thank you so much for joining us today. To start off, could you tell us a bit more about the nature of your work? What have you been working on? Um, so for me, I this summer I was able to get like a research scholarship slash like grant and I'm working with a pathology professor and I'm just characterizing telepathy, which is a type of like protein aggregate in the thalamic region of patients with different like neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, I'm working right now as an embedded software developer at Ford, um, working from home. Uh, and basically what I've been doing recently is just writing an integration script as well as updating packages for upcoming releases for uh, the vehicle software. Yeah, the work uh, both of you are doing seems uh, really interesting. I'm sure uh, it's definitely been keeping you busy during this time, just something for you to be doing during the pandemic while it's staying safe indoors so that's really nice um but i was just wondering um so right now there are like especially because we can't really go outside it is pretty hard finding uh finding jobs in general during this time so i was just wondering like for the both of you specifically how uh difficult or how different was the jobs job search like um for me like i applied for this research grant during the school year. So I applied in December before all this, <clears throat> before all this coronavirus stuff, stuff really started. Um, however, after I got the grant, there was this period of like two weeks of, of the school saying potentially of canceling um, the grant because we, we aren't able to do any wet labs this summer because all the labs are closed. So that was not fun. <laughs> but um but job search so i didn't really have to do a job search per se this summer but in my first year after i graduated which was last year um that was really difficult even in, even without coronavirus job search is really difficult yeah uh well when it came to finding a co-op um, I wasn't as affected by COVID-19 because I found my position before it became a really big problem here. But I'd say it's still pretty difficult because uh, it is my first call, so I didn't really have much experience and uh, I didn't really know what to expect from interviews. But as for after COVID-19 did become a big problem here, uh, I, yeah, there was a really, there was a few weeks period of time where I was scared that they were gonna cancel my co-op. So yeah, not a, not the best experience for the first job, but it's been good. 
Hey, I'm glad to hear that. Um, like for both of you, you did get your opportunities, thankfully, before uh, the whole pandemic um, took pace. But uh, obviously, like a lot of jobs have been getting canceled due to the pandemic. And I'm glad that the opportunities for you still existed and you could still contribute virtually. And I think even for um, like, I, I, like uh, if you hadn't applied for like a grant or something prior to this, and if you're looking for like a research job, a lot of places, a lot of labs are closed. I'm assuming that would also be uh, really hard to find a prof um, or someone you could work with during this time. Yeah, for sure. Like even like for this research grant, they originally it was called DROP. And then we, in the application process, you apply with a professor, like a PI. Um, and you propose a project together and that project is mainly, I think all the proposed projects are wet labs. So you have to go into the lab and you do whatever pipetting, <laughs> whatever you might be doing. And after the, the pandemic, they basically canceled that and then switched it over to another project. And it was really dependent on how your PI felt, how comfortable they were switching to a remote project. Like I had I've known people that also got the research grant, but then their prof didn't want to do a remote project, so they so they couldn't do like a research project this summer. Do you have to um, compare it to like your original project uh, idea? Do you have to change it a lot? Yeah, like the yeah yeah like the the nature of it is just different now. Like before, I was I was going to like investigate the nature like the nor like. I was going to investigate like the some other protein channel. They're all proteins, honestly, but but it was um, really investigating like the nature of another type of protein in like a, in a different context. And now I'm mostly doing like, and that was like a lot of the data collection. And the project I'm working on, the data collection has really been done, and I'm just working on analysis. So it's quite different. Also. Just in general, do you think funding will also be impacted um, by this pandemic in general for just research? Um, funding, I'm not sure. I, I, there is that perspective where you can say, oh, because of, because of this pandemic, people is drawing attention to the importance of research or you know vaccination and maybe people will feel more inclined to put money into scientific research but you know as of this moment everyone's everyone's pocket is kind of tight so that's uh, that's a different issue but there are but there are lots of different grants that you could get and there's always opportunities out there yeah yeah so i know like a lot of the a lot of changes have been made due to the pandemic so I really want to hear about what your plans were for the summer before the pandemic really struck and you had to change them. What were you planning on doing and how now are you really adapting to this current situation? Uh, well, for me, um, I had a summer plan full of hanging out with auto friends because I don't really see them much anymore, as well as camping and going to the gym. Um, I might still be able to go camping a few times, but uh, I'm not too sure how much social activity I'll get to do with the pandemic. So I'm kind of yeah. sad about that, but 
I feel that. Hopefully, the conditions improve. Yeah, I I feel that energy as well. I was originally um, originally a couple of my friends were going to stay in London for the summer for summer school, and I was gonna stay in London with uh, with another friend, like um, live with another friend that also got the research grant. The obviously that's canceled now. Mm-hmm. um like the in-person lab so we're all working from home but yeah just a lot of socialization that we're kind of missing out but also um part of the a lot of I think a lot of science students that finished second year do the MCAT so and and we were all planning to to write the MCAT together and we're just you know sitting at home instead of maybe at the library together yeah so uh right now um would you say that you're still trying to juggle between like you're working from home as well as maybe studying from home? Like you said, for the MCAT, for example? Yeah, for sure. There isn't like, there isn't like a line because I, you know, I study and I work and I sleep all in the same room. So there isn't really like a definitive line where that crosses. And that's definitely been a challenge to trying to have a good balance between the three and not, yeah. And that's difficult, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm really sorry. Um, no, go ahead. I'm really curious about that. Like you mentioned, like you you work and study and sleep all in the same room. How, like, as I know, like I'm also working from home right now, and it's kind of a similar situation for me. And I find it kind of difficult to really find like that mental state to try to like break yourself away from studying versus like wanting to just relax sometimes um and it's hard to just kind of keep focused if you're in the same space the entire day uh so has that ever happened to you and like how do you manage that yeah it definitely definitely like happens to me i'm just even like even when i lived in residence so as a residence advisor i'm like a staff on the on the floor and i'm there to support the students on the floor and that kind of residence environment is kind of like a job. That's like a job to me, right? The moment I stepped foot into you know, the residence hall I lived in, I had to be, um, I had to be, I had to be on, right? I need to be representative of housing, whatever expectations I, right? And I found that was really, and, and so I couldn't even, at school I couldn't even do a lot of work being a residence I just spent my day at the library and I would come back to residence at like 10 p.m and then I would sleep at like 11 and that's something I can't do right now honestly like of all places I really miss the library never thought I would say that but but how I really how I try to manage it is if I could I usually go to a different room in uh during the day when i'm like studying so i would go into like the kitchen or i would go into the living room and then not come back until like it's time to sleep because i would just fall asleep <laughs> i would just looking at that bed just makes me want to fall asleep but yeah it is definitely hard to find that balance especially when you're restrict restricted to like a small area but gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's back at school, I actually did most of my studying in my room, but that's only because I spent a lot of time like outside my room, walking between classes and just going to the gym and stuff. 
So now that I have to work, study, and sleep all within the small space, uh, I find that like every once in a while I get a headache or something from just not standing up for hours at a time. And uh, I'd say, it, like, I really like. I think it's pretty hard. So yeah. Yeah, personally. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I felt like when, um, like you mentioned, like, because you're in, like, a very closed-up space and, like, get headaches and stuff, I felt like just taking a walk or just even just, like, stepping outside for some fresh air uh, really does help. It makes, I, it's, it's a good change from, like, being stuck up and closed in, like, a single room. Um, just, like, seeing the outside world and seeing how the weather has actually changed a lot. Um, it could be... It could be a good thing to do sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I'm, not, I'm glad the, the parks are open now. I went, while well, I lived at home, like in high school, I would go hiking every weekend. And I went on the trail yesterday and I've never seen so many people hiking together. I'm like, I'm like is there really a pandemic? <laughs> but yeah. Wait, by like hiking together, do you mean like families? Yeah, like, family. Yeah. yeah, families hiking together. And there's just a lot of people in general. Like the parking lot was like pretty full. And like usually when like when I hiked like in high school, like I would go on the trail and I'd probably see like maybe half a dozen people. But now you're kind of like um, because a lot of I think a lot of families take their kids out and they feed the animals and it's a fun activity for the for the kids and they're just like kind of blocking the trail and then you just have to like try to keep six feet apart while like passing through the people <laughs> it's kind of a maze yeah. yeah like I was I've been going kayaking every weekend recently uh, because they just opened the boat launches and I've never seen so many cars at that boat at the boat launch I normally go to because normally it's like one or two maybe three but recently it's been like 10 every time I go yeah for sure yeah it's interesting how you talked about the challenge of living working and studying in the same room but I'm also interested to know what other problems or other hurdles you've come across in working from home? Like maybe asking for clarification with work or help, I guess, from coworkers? Um, for me, my work is largely is um my work is largely independent, except for I when I do ask for help, I ask um I usually talk to my prof like one on one, but we have like a lab meeting every single every single Monday, so you know I'm cram I'm cramming that neuroscience every Sunday, but that's a different issue. Um, but every Monday we have we have like a we have a lab meeting and we go through you know any problems and then we share that with the prof and other also other members of the lab and see if like oh if I have a problem with the software another person is like oh I encounter that issue like this is how you solve it so it's a pretty good environment but that's only Monday so when you have other issues a lot it's a lot of emails and then it becomes like one sentence emails it's like can you send me this thing and then 
back and forth. So it is, there is a bit of a delay in that because no, my prof no only works from nine to five. So if he checks his, if I send an email at like 4 p.m., he probably won't get back to me the next day. So that's a little unfortunate, but we make it work, you know? <laughs> yeah, for me, it's uh, mostly communication as well, because whenever I, let's say I get an error or something, um, it's a little harder to describe the issue I'm having over like let's say Skype or an email, as opposed to having someone actually looking over your shoulder and sort of telling you like what to do. Um, so yeah, I've been finding that sometimes like uh, there's been misunderstandings where uh, I say I'm getting this error and then uh, my coworker would tell me like the solution to a different error and then I'd have to sort of re-explain and then uh, yeah, that's, most of the trouble I've been having working from home as opposed to working from an office space. But yeah, communication definitely is a, a pretty big problem. Like you mentioned, like communicating the errors you get, asking questions and things like that. Um, and I think like also a huge part of like working in a job, something that people generally look forward to is being able to work with the team and uh, getting that feel of um, the experience of like working as part of something bigger. And I was wondering, like during this pandemic, working remotely, uh, have you gotten the opportunity to really get to know your team or interact with them? Or um, has it been uh, just more like individual work, which is like occasional talking? Um, I think I'm lucky in the sense that like, because we, before you apply for the grant, you obviously have to talk to a prof and I had been volunteering in his lab all year long. So I kind of knew some members of the, of the lab. Um, like I think I got to, cause he's always taking out more students as well. And then there are students that, you know, go away for co-op or whatever, and then come back for the summer. So it's, uh, it's you know the first few lab lab meetings are still a little bit awkward, a little dry. <laughs> like you don't know what you can say, what jokes you can make, um, because you don't you haven't really met everyone in person. So that's been a challenge. Yeah, definitely. I wish I could see them in person, but it is what it is. I've met my supervisor, but I haven't met anyone else on my team. And yeah, uh, I've been looking forward to hopefully having the offices open up so I could meet everyone else and put a face to the voices that I've been hearing over conference calls. Yeah, so um, I know how there are a lot of difficulties with getting to know your coworkers and communication in general during this pandemic. So the next question is specifically for Chelsea. How different has research been for you at home compared to working in an actual wet lab? Um, I've actually, during my time volunteering with my prof, I've never actually done like any kind of wet lab. I've just gone into the lab to, um, because we use data, we use patient information from the LHSC, which is like the London Health something. This is the London Health System. And that's like privileged, um, like patient information. So I can't, I can't access information from my computer. So I would have to go into the lab. And it was a very specific time. Like I think it was like Tuesday from like 10 to 12. I would go in and use that. 
and I'd be able to, to like interact with the not only lab members but like there would be other like grad students and like neurologists and stuff who are in the lab like using the using the computers and stuff and being at home there's not that again it goes back to that that work ethic kind of a, a thing it's very like I get to choose when I want to I get to you know I choose when I whenever I want to do work or not which sometimes turns out to be like two to four a.m so there's that so uh you mentioned that um like getting the information was like confidential patient information uh how like how do you access data right now so what i'm doing is the gist of it is that he had like a he had another pathologist working on a project for him and then that pathologist was looking at like the same protein the looking at telepathy which is tel aggregates anyway <laughs> the other pathologist looking at this protein in the subthalamic nuclei of of the patients of the patient's brains so she's already done all the scanning and all the wet lab stuff so when she scanned the images she scanned for the subthalamic nuclei but it also included the thalamus so she only looked at the subthalamic nuclei so she's given me all those images and i'm just analyzing the and i'm just analyzing the thalamus now so she sent me all the files because it's not really attached there's no like i'm sure he had to apply for some kind of a thing because i do have like a like a london health like account but yeah it bypasses a lot more of the sensitive issues yeah okay so i guess just moving back a little bit um i know that you guys both found your jobs prior to this whole pandemic but do you guys have any tips for individuals trying to find a job right now during the pandemic hey, um, i'd say take the time you have right now because uh i'm sure a lot of people are you know, sitting at home uh not being able to go out and spend their time doing things outside. So I'd say I'd recommend spending this time to maybe work on a few projects if uh, you're trying to get a software development job. Because I know when um, even without the pandemic, when I was looking for a job and a lot of my other friends as well, uh, we all kind of realized the week before we were supposed to apply that our resumes were pretty empty. We didn't really have many projects on there. We didn't have any work experience so that's when the projects really come in handy uh so we're sort of we kind of spent the week really stressing over uh balancing school uh polishing our resumes and building all these projects all within one week so that we could apply for uh, the first round of co-op so now that there is this pandemic and people aren't you know spending as much time outside with their friends i recommend using this time to get a head start on building some projects if you don't already have any and having a nicer resume when applying. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely, I really feel that energy. Like when I, when I grad, when I finished first year, I came back home and it took me, I wasn't able to really find my job until June. And even when I did, it wasn't like, specifically like related to like what I was interested in. like it wasn't like science 
but although that's kind of hard when you're not like in a in a at like a university town or something like that in addition to you know building your resumes and stuff if if it's really i think i would also really recommend applying for scholarships right now because i didn't find so all of so last year, all of May, I didn't have a job. And then June, July, August, I worked like seven days a week, every day of the week, basically. But that's another issue. But in that in that month of May, I applied to probably like a dozen scholarships. And honestly, I got more money from scholarships than I did working for like three months. So if you're, and so if you, if, if you're like, if financial issue is like a stressor on you, definitely scholarship is the way to go. Also, there's a lot of great online opportunities. So in all of high school, I taught English online. I know there are a couple of companies that do this. They'll set you up with some like with like elementary age like kids in China, and then you can just video chat with them, and they usually give you a curriculum, and then it's just to really like tutor them and just like talk to them in English. Um, and I know a lot of people make like hourly wages doing that. And I did that for a while as well, like all of high school. And it wasn't, although I didn't do it with a company, I just had some family friends. But it's good. It's a good way to, you know, make money when you're in during this pandemic because everything is online anyways. Just to add on to the whole tutoring online, another great way to make money is off of Fiverr. Fiverr is like a website where people, people, they want specific tasks done, but they don't have the skills to do that. For example, like web development, uh, Photoshop. And if you have those skills done, people will pay you a good amount to just sit at home, spend five, five to 10 minutes or maybe one hour working on a simple task and you can get a lot of money off of that and that's kind of like a side hustle that you could probably start as well yeah i think that's really uh valid especially like if people are being paid off and if you don't feel very comfortable like working in the front line or like going out um like having these options of still being able to make money at uh, at home, I think it's definitely very, very helpful. Um, I guess there's um, kind of like adding on to like tips for like finding a job or like, and you did give some great resources. Um, I was just wondering if you had any tips for people who were working from home, like just from your experience, um, anything you've learned, like things, like things that people can do or things that people absolutely probably shouldn't be doing. Um, I think what's really helpful to me is just having a schedule, like, um, yeah, just, just make a schedule and keep yourself accountable to it. And also don't, and I would also say don't like, don't be so too harsh on yourself because now, you know, you're really, you could be, you know, if you're awake for 14 hours a day, you could really be maximizing all those 14 hours and doing work and studying and whatnot. But, you know, for me, I like every single day I make sure I plan, like I write in my journal, like a fun activity for me to do that day as well. If that's like, you know, watching a movie or that's watercoloring or going hiking or like I need, I need to put something in my schedule that balances that stuff out. Yeah, just 
don't be too hard on yourself and keep yourself accountable I think is the way to go I think for me the most important part is like having some time to spend outside uh, because every day I always like whether it's walks or going kayaking I always find time to go outside and get some fresh air after sitting at my desk for nine hours so I think that's really important because like at the start of my job um, I wasn't really used to just sitting here all day at my desk uh, working and staring at a computer screen so I started like my back to start hurting from just sitting here and then I found that uh, going out for walks at the end of the day really helps to sort of reset so that I'm good to go the next day. Yeah, like you mentioned, it's definitely very important to also take some time just for yourself because um, especially if you're someone who's working right now, um, along with like a lot of anxiety that might come from just staying at home or just the pandemic in general, it is definitely good to do those things that do bring you joy, like going out for a walk or like water painting and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I think those are uh, very valuable tips. Um, so before we end off this podcast, we are going to play a quick game called, is this a real occupation or not? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna list a couple of occupations and you're going to guess if the job is legitimate or if it is something we made up. So are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, I am. So the first job is a professional stand-in liner. That's definitely a real job. Yeah, it's definitely a real job. You know, those people that line up for Supreme, I pay for, like, I, I see them paying someone to line up for them. Mm -hmm. Well, Andrew definitely was very enthusiastic and um, claiming that it was a real job. And Chelsea was also very <laughs> encouraging of this job. So, well, it was, it is a real job. Good job, guys. Good job. Um, so as Chelsea did mention, uh, so what they do is they, if you want like tickets for a show or um, you want to enter a designer show, but you don't want to wait in that incredibly long line, then uh, you could pay people to wait in the line for you. So this is the job. And the next job is a professional toilet paper softness tester. <laughs> That's oddly specific, <laughs> like nothing else, just toilet paper. Yeah, just toilet paper. Um, yeah, just to like you know, make sure that the toilet paper is as soft as a cushion. I would say that's not a real job. <laughs> I think there's got to be someone who tests it. I think I think someone <laughs> has this job. Um, unfortunately, Andrew, you're not right. Chelsea, oh. uh, point to you. It is not a real job. It is something we made up. Yeah, I was like, maybe you're hopping on that toilet paper hype right now. <laughs> I mean, it could be after the pandemic. We don't know that yet. Maybe. Okay, the next job is a professional pusher. So um, this is just someone who ensures that people make it to work on time by pushing people into the train. Yep, that's a real one. Pusher? <laughs> um, 
I would say 100%. no. Hundred percent, yes. Yeah. Where where would you have this job? Like New York? Like, ah. <laughs> uh. Well, Chelsea, unfortunately, you are wrong. Andrew had the right answer. It is one hundred percent a real job. Uh, apparently, in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, because the trains, otherwise, they get really crowded. So you got to make sure you squish as many people as you can on there. Yeah. We need that yeah. for the London buses, though. Just push out the people to the back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be helpful. That would be actually helpful. Mm-hmm. And the next job we have for you is a professional paper towel sniffer. So another paper towel-related uh, occupation. And this is just to ensure that the paper does not smell bad before, during, and after the use. But isn't that dependent on what you use it for? <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. I would say no. <laughs> or that would be a really upsetting job, just smelling <laughs> paper towels all day. Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Well, Andrew, unfortunately, you are right. That is a real job. Uh, Unfortunately. Unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. 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 What you have to sniff. Yeah. It Uh, could get unfortunate. Yeah. Do you need a bachelor's for that? Bachelors of paper towel sniffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, or like chemistry or something, and you can figure out what compounds are in there. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe there is something strange involved. I think. Yeah. But mom and dad are real proud. Yeah. Sorry. No, I just said mom and dad real proud sending me to university. Come out and sniff paper towel. No, I'm sure it's a great job. But yeah. yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, sure it has both its pros and cons, like every other job. The next job we have here is a professional cow cuddler. Uh, so I'm not sure if you know this, but cows are um, cuddled to produce more milk organically. So that's something that cuddling does too. Just adding that. I think it's a real job. I'd love to do that. Love to cuddle cows. Uh... Yeah. I'm going to say yes, it is a real job. Well, both of you are totally not right. Um, it is not a real job. It's something we just made up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally not. <laughs> so you can't cuddle cows for you a living? Can't yeah, you can't cuddle cows and expect people to pay for it. But you Actually, people... Cuddle. Actually, people pay to cuddle cows. Uh, the other way around. Yeah. The other way around. <laughs> you don't get paid to pay. Do you, you don't get paid to cuddle cows. You pay to cuddle cows. Uh, do the cows get paid in return? Like, do they get a percentage of that cut? Maybe like, they get more food. Yeah. Like get more grass. grass. Yeah. High quality grass. You know, five star Michelin star grass. <laughs> what if they just actually just get like a hourly wage the cows <laughs> yeah <laughs> you give cows an hourly wage see what they do with it probably nothing eat it <laughs> probably just eat, eat it. it oh yeah, yeah. okay 
The last occupation we have here, the final question uh, that decides it all, professional apologizer. So someone who publicly apologizes on behalf of you. You mean James Charles, <laughs> Jeffrey Star? Ow. Oh God. What do you think, Andrew? I think it's a real job. I think there's people out there who wouldn't be able to apologize themselves. So I Andrew, think, you I think thought everything is a real job. <laughs> no, Andrew's just optimistic. Well, actually, I think it, it's a job. That's true. Well, Andrew's looking for a side hustle. That's what I did. That's um, I, could, I could use some more money for my tuition. Right? Everyone could. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. You know, someone's gotta train James Charles out there. You know, uh, both of you are right. It is an actual job. You could professionally apologize for someone. Wow. Paper. So, uh, what kind of qualifications are involved in that? I think a master's is needed. Yeah. <laughs> master's yeah. of apology one hundred and one. It has. Yeah. You need to take that. Instead of prep 101, it's apology 101. Yeah, I'm not actually sure what the qualifications are, but if you are interested in looking at it, you could search it up. I'm sure you would find something. Andrew, this could, be your, this, this could be your psycho hustle. You can code something that will like pop up and be like, sorry. Drew, <laughs> I'll, I'll do a customized user experience where they enter uh, their name and they'll Tell them, sorry, new. Uh, personalized apology. Yeah, yeah. And then you can put that on your resume. It'd be great. It'd be great. Don't forget to um, credit me when you become rich and famous from that. Oh, I'll, I'll be sure to pay you a royalty. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like one bushel of grass, just like the cow <laughs> per hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well... We have approached the end of this podcast and we would like to give a big thanks to our guests to take their time and share their experiences and insights. On another note, if you would like to be featured on our podcast, please fill out the form on our Facebook page, Unmasking COVID. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week.